Hi, we're Shannon and Jerry Arner. And our dog, Betty White. Your hosts of the Arner Adventures podcast. Could we have named it something more creative? Probably. But it's the name of our blog. It's our last name. We're on an adventure. Yada, yada, yada. After running our own business, working 24-7. And don't forget a mental breakdown in between. We made a lifestyle change and decided to make the most out of life. We sold our house, most of our belongings, downsized, and moved to the coast. We live life minimally, but fully. We live each day as an adventure. This show will help you learn how to live life more fully, with more intention, by experiencing more, and with less stuff. We'll talk about our own experiences, interview others who have much to share by creating a spark in our lives. Some days we'll share real life ongoings of what we're going through and others will talk about our favorite flavor of waffle. Come join our adventure. It's It's the the Arner Adventures Adventures Podcast. Podcast. Hello everyone, I'm Shannon. And I'm Jerry. Betty White is here with us as always, snug as a bug in a rug. And we are back for episode 42 of the Arner Adventures podcast. 42. They just keep rolling right along. They do. Today's episode, gosh, what a treat. The conversation was a long time coming. We were just elated to have him here. We were. And before we get to him, let's tell you about our wonderful episode sponsor, who does really so much for the podcast in general, Southern Oak Artisan. Southern Oak Artisan makes 100% natural soy candles that we love. Such great scents that are light and not overwhelming like other candles. They have the best scents. My recent fave is the Sommelier Chardonnay. Gosh, it's like a glass of Chardonnay in a candle. Just don't drink it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it is lovely. We have their candles all over our house. We do. They're only made with the highest quality ingredients, so they're not toxic, Like a lot of candles that you buy and bring in, they're, like we said, 100% natural soy, clean fragrance oils. You just feel good with the air in your home being clean while you're burning these candles. And this time of year, we are burning them. Oh, we're burning them and it's only (laughs) going to pick up through the winter months. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Southern Oak Artisan's getting a lot of our business. (laughs) Sure enough. You can go to southernoakartisan.com and use code ADVENTURE for 10% off of your candle order. We link it for you in the show notes too. Thank you, Southern Oak Artisan. Yes, thank you so much. And before we move on, I do want to say that, you know, last year was our no buy year. And I think one of the most difficult things for us was not buying candles. candles. And we talked about it early on. Yeah, like, like, how are we going to get through this? Yeah, like right at the beginning, we were thinking, oh, these candles might last us a few more months. Yeah, we got through it. We did. But we do, we are excited about, you know, the fact that we are, I don't want to say allowed, but we are not in a no buy year. And we, one of the things that are very important to us is having candles in the home and they're so much more sustainable than the electricity. Oh, indeed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, today's guest is Ryan Schwartz, the founder of Mental Health Match, just a beautiful soul, does so much for mental health with his platform, but is also a mental health and therapy advocate. Are you ready to get to the conversation with Ryan? I am. Let's get to it. Let's do it. Today's guest is no stranger to Arner Adventures. You may not have heard his name, but if you've been a listener here for a while, you've definitely heard the name of the platform that he founded, Mental Health Match. We are so happy to have Ryan Schwartz as our guest today, a true spark in our lives. As I mentioned, Ryan is the founder of Mental Health Match, a free platform that makes it easy to find a therapist. Ryan is a wholehearted believer in the power of therapy, as we are as well. 
when he learned while grieving the sudden loss of his mother in 2013 that this was a definite need. Prior to Mental Health Match, Ryan was a strategic communications consultant for nonprofit organizations. Originally from Houston, he now lives in Portland, Oregon with his husband, David. Ryan, this is magical. I am thrilled, elated. I feel like this was a long time coming. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. And it's been so fun to get to know you and your community and just see y'all are such a breath of fresh air. And so it's just so lovely to be a part of this conversation with you. Oh, well, thank you so much. Well, I cannot move forward without talking about the Portland move. I mean, with Jerry and I are big Portlandia fans. And so (laughs) I could watch reruns of that show forever. So I'm curious now that you live in Portland and I've never, I don't think I've ever talked to a true Portlandian. So is Portlandia something that people sort of shun out there or do they embrace it? You know, it's one of those things where like it hits on some truths. And so people like to kind of like shun it. But I think that they do it because it's showing a part of them and part of this city that causes some like (laughs) inner conflict. Right. So since I've been out here, I mean, I've definitely been yelled at by bikers. I've definitely sat at a four way intersection for way too long waiting for somebody to move. I haven't gotten the name of a chicken yet that I'm eating at a restaurant, but we come very, very close to it. So there's a lot of truth there. Oh my gosh. That's that's so funny. Oh, I can't wait. I think I told you in an email that we had a trip planned to Portland right before COVID. So we definitely have to reschedule that trip and, you know, meet up with you guys while we're out there because we're so excited to actually get to Portlandia. I definitely want to do that. It's such a fun, beautiful city. So come on out. Yeah. Well, Well, we get to do this in real life then. I know. We Yeah, we'll do a follow-up to this with whatever we missed. Well, you know, you and I met, you know, e-met, I guess, maybe a little over a year ago. I can't quite remember exactly when it was, but, and we have this strong passion for therapy and which is why you created Mental Health Match, which we're definitely going to get into that. And I think that, well, I know it's a topic that comes up here on these episodes a lot with people being advocates for therapy. And I think even though our guests are advocates for therapy. And I think that there's probably listeners who are like, well, I haven't tried it. And I know that there are a lot of barriers to therapy. I know personally, I know, you know, people who tell me, well, I can't get therapy for this reason or that reason, or they haven't ever been and they don't know what to expect. And there's a lot of fears that are involved. So before we get into the whole story as to why you created it, have you always had a passion for therapy or was the catalyst as to why you started the platform sort of did that spearhead your passion for it? It definitely was a personal experience that was more recent. I never thought of therapy before 10 years ago. So I grew up in Houston, you know, as a male in a conservative culture and a family that did not talk about feelings or emotions. Therapy was always stigmatized among my community. I never even thought about it as something that would appeal to me or be an option for me. And then in 2013, basically I came out of a restaurant and had a phone call from my dad telling me that my mom had passed away very suddenly. She was very healthy and it really turned my world kind of upside down. And it was the first major grief that I've experienced. And, you know, I, I kind of just dropped my life for a minute. I'm an only child. And so I went and I was living with my dad and like trying to be there for him. And thankfully I have a close friend of mine who has been a proponent of therapy for some time. And she said like, okay, this is the time. Like you've kind of, you're grieving, but you've also, she recognized that my grief was on hold because I was there just trying to 
be supportive of my dad mm. in ignoring my own needs in that moment and my own hurt. And so she helped me, you know, she really encouraged me to find a therapist and she kind of helped me through that process. And that was the very first time. And it was so eye-opening to me, like not only as I moved through my grief, but even all the other things that came up as a process of moving through grief, patterns and thoughts that I had, behaviors that I had, I realized that, you know, once I started healing from the grief, that there was so much more to unpack that I thought I knew who I was. <laughs> I thought I had a really good sense of that. But as I started talking, I learned like, I don't really know why I do the things that I do. I don't really know why I have some of these patterns and I couldn't get to the core of my being and my values and realize that therapy was a place to help me do that. And so as I kind of started to heal from some of that grief, I started to pivot in therapy to kind of more proactively exploring myself. And that's when I really realized the benefit of the process of therapy to help me live the kind of life that I want and be the person that I want to be. Right. You know, similarly in a, in a way, although you know, my parents divorced when we were younger and my mom has always been a strong advocate for therapy. So as children, she put my brother and I into therapy. We didn't know what it was. I mean, they kind of made it fun. We were like, oh, we get to go see this lady. (laughs) You know, it's like this fun thing. And that's all I ever knew. And then we sort of, you know, everything time passed or whatever. And my mom has worked through therapy for a long time. But the rest of my family up until nowadays, same way. You just, you don't talk about it, walk it off. Like just, you can be, you know, it's okay. You'll get over it you know, sleep it off. It'll be fine. And I know that similarly, I went through, you know, we've talked about this on here before. And I know, you know, that I went through a loss, you know, grief and people passed away in my life. But the big catalyst for me was when my dog passed away. I mean, he was like my child. And, you know, we've talked about on here before loss is loss and it doesn't matter what it is to you. But for me, that was my catalyst. That was same thing. Life stopped. I didn't know how to handle anything. And even though I was an advocate for therapy and was very supportive of other people going to therapy, I hadn't been in therapy for years, but I was like, okay, I need therapy. I definitely need therapy. Let's go. This is definitely, so I was able to recognize I definitely needed it, but that was a catalyst for me was that. And I can completely understand with what you're saying that yes, I went to deal with the grief, which we're going to get into that part in a second, but there were so many different things I had to unpack you know, through therapy and I'm still working on. So it's an interesting journey. And I think that there's like the reactive therapy where you feel like, okay, something major has happened and I need an expert to help guide me through how I deal with that and how I heal with that. And I think grief is one of those really strong ones that like people can say, oh, just walk it off, sleep it off, time will heal it. And what they're really saying is like, you can hide it and you can try to numb it. It doesn't go away until you actually address it and you pull out that feeling, you pull out that grief and you look at it and you interact with it and you don't hide from it. Otherwise it just simmers there and you pretend it's not there, but it's there and it will come out in many different ways. I think most emotions are like, I think grief is an extreme one where we really feel that. And if you try to pretend it away, it will come out in numerous other places. Right. And so that's the kind of reactive piece to it. But then there's this proactive piece where you can go to therapy and you're like, I don't really know what I'm going to talk about today. And I don't really have an issue, but through some exploration, you get to really kind of dig deeper into yourself and learn more about yourself and the gap between kind of where you want to be and where you're at. I think that that's the really interesting part that a lot of people don't think about is the proactive way that therapy helps you be a more fulfilled, happier person. Right, right. And, you know, self-work, all of that self-discovery, I feel like is and I was talking about this on another podcast with someone, a big advocate of therapy, and she's dealt with a lot through therapy. And we were talking about how 
it is ongoing. And yes, you can go, like you said, to address a certain thing. But if you're in therapy, there's just things to work on that it's just ongoing. And I think, you know, we're talking about stigma and there's so much stigma around mental health. And there's some people that if you talk about that you're in therapy, they what's wrong with you? <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily mean there's anything wrong with me. I'm like, I'm dealing with, I need to talk to somebody. Do you want to sit here and hear all of my, my stories or what's going on in my okay. head? You know, you just need someone who is not involved, who is non-judgmental, but a professional to hear what you can't tell anyone else. And that's how I feel about it anyway, is that I need to get the words out, to get the thoughts out that are going around in my head to someone else who has nothing to do with it. And I know is not going to be judgmental about the situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's kind of three things you need that therapy provides that you really don't get elsewhere. You know, one is the dedicated time just to sit there and do that. We're all busy and we all like, we're all running around and it's hard to make the time to do that introspection and that self-work outside of therapy. Like therapy gives you that container to do it. And then the second thing you need is a space where you feel very safe and that you can be vulnerable. And that's really hard when, you know, it's really hard to get when you're talking to like a friend or something like that. They may be your longest friend, but there's always this kind of like deeper layer going on of like, Ooh, can I tell them this? Can I talk about this? What are they going to react? How are they going to react? And therapy gives you that freedom it erases that from your process and you can just kind of be yourself. And then third, you need somebody trained, right? Like your friend isn't trained in how the brain works and how emotions work and how to make connect some of those patterns and help you dig deeper. You can vent to a friend. They can say like, oh, that's so sorry. Or like laugh with you about something, but that's not the same kind of process that you get from a trained professional. You can help make some connections and also teach you some things about how your feelings and your brain and your body work. Right, right. It's hot here, Jer. Oh, it's hot. All right. You got to stay hydrated. We've been traveling so much too, but it's easy to stay hydrated even when you're on the go and you don't have gallons of water by your side. It sure is with the help of Liquid IV. Yep. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier. It's a powder in a packet. You just throw a few of them in your bag and take them with you wherever you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's an electrolyte mix that you just add to your water. It delivers two to two and a half times more hydration than water alone. They have these really yummy flavors. Our summer go-tos right now are the strawberry and the pina colada. You know what I do sometimes is I throw a couple of packets of the pina colada, some ice and water in the blender, make myself a mocktail, hang out by the baby pool in the backyard. Oh man, I am good to go and hydrated. That's a good afternoon, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Getting creative. You're someone who either has trouble getting your water in or just wants to get in the express lane with your hydration. You should definitely try Liquid IV. For our listeners, if you go to their website, liquid-iv.com, and use code ARNERADVENTURES, you can save 25% off of your order and get free shipping. We'll link it to you in the show notes, too. Liquid IV, fueling life's adventures. So let's talk about barriers to therapy. I guess I'll kind of start with, personally, that back then when I was searching for someone with a specific specialization because I, you know, yes, I think that anyone can deal with grief, but in my head, I definitely wanted someone who had specifically dealt with pet loss. I wanted someone who understood animals. I wanted someone who I felt like just got it. And, you know, the NC state vet school where our dog was at the end, they do provide a counseling service for like three weeks, which was wonderful, free, no charge, but 
then it's over. And then you're like, well, now what am I going to do? And I need somebody like you. I need somebody like who has been here and understands these, you know, the animal part of it and the pet and understands that that loss is real. And so my struggle was that finding someone and then it was just the process. And I know to some people, they might not get this, but it really was the process of being so consumed with my grief to literally Google and call and find. And it was just too much work. It was too much work. And one of the things I related to you, I want you to tell the story too, was about that it shouldn't be easier to find a date than it is to find a therapist that like on the dating app or something like that. But I was just like, yeah, I mean, why is it easier to find a date, a better match for a date than it is a therapist? It just, it made no sense to me. And I just remember it being so difficult and then just begging for help. I mean, I was calling the crisis and assessment center in my County. I was calling hospitals, just begging someone for help and could not get it. And so I think there's situations like that. Yes, that I consider that a barrier that I wanted it. I could not find it. Or when I thought I found someone and it was just telling them what I needed, they just didn't think maybe they were the person. And then you have to go through those calls and you're, you know, and waiting and all of that. Mm -hmm. And then I'll tell you another thing that when I finally found someone, my insurance wouldn't cover it, wouldn't Mm -hmm. cover that specific therapist. And she was great. And this was before I moved here and before I met you, before I met Mental Health Match. And I was really struggling to pay her and I needed her mm-hmm. so badly. And my insurance, it covers mental health, but the copay was just astronomical, astronomical. Mm. She even said, I've never seen anybody with a copay this high. <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't really work with me. And look, it's her choice. She's got a business or whatever. Sure. So anyway, then we're going to get to mental health match and how that helped me and saved me. But I want you to tell your story and sort of how you came up with this, but also your whole thing about the barriers and all of that, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, you know, I think that you hit on a couple of the barriers. So I was grieving. I was kind of lost. My friend was like, time for therapy. This is it. I said, okay. And then I was like, so what do I do? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm a therapist. All right, well, how do I do that? And so I started asking around. I asked her, I asked other people. And I kept hearing kind of a discouraging answer, which is like, it's really hard. And I would talk to people who said, you know, I looked for a therapist a year ago. I really needed one. And I just gave up. It was so hard. You know, you can go to your insurance lists and, but there's study that was like 30% of the phone numbers on your insurance list are wrong. They don't even work anymore because they're so outdated. And, you know, you could go Google, but like, how do you know what to look for? And and then there's so much information that's not present or like there's so much jargon that therapists talk about. Like, I don't even know what that means. And so I was literally at a coffee shop one day with my friend who was encouraging me and opened up my computer again. I was like, all right, here we go. I'm going to do the Google. She's like, I'm here with you. Like, let's work together. You know, because when you're in a moment of crisis and you're feeling overwhelmed, like it's too much to like, you know, someone told me it was, they treated it like a job. Like they treated it like, like a job. They had their spreadsheets and they, it was like a part-time job for them to find a therapist. It's like, that's too much. So I was at this coffee shop and I opened up my computer. I was like, all right, here we go again. I'm going to like try to Google. And my friend was like, at the same time, my friend's like, okay, I'm going to set up an online dating profile. And within like five minutes of opening up the site, she had like set up her profile and was like talking with potential dates for that week. I was just like Google scrolling and feeling lost. And I was like, why is it so much easier? There's all these platforms to find a date or to find romance, but to find mental health care in a time of need, it's really complicated. And so that's kind of when the idea of Mental Health Match was born. We decided, let's take some of the tools 
of the online dating world. Like let's take some, let's survey therapists and survey clients and have an algorithm that determines the matches and help them connect with each other very easily. And let's apply that to mental health so that, you know, in the five minutes that it took my friend to find a date, five minutes you could find a therapist who can help you in a moment of need. So your background is not in writing apps. Did you have a friend or like, how did you even start that process? I mean, so I come up with ideas in my head all the time. I'm like, well, I can't implement that. So like, how was the implementation? That's a great question. So we got, found somebody who had, gives a little bit of cash and we hired a developer to help us write these things. I'm definitely not a technical person, but I think more than that. So previously when I was very young, I was at a job, a nonprofit job, and I watched us hire all these consultants who were making like three times more than me and had freedom. And I was like, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go be a consultant. I don't know anything about it, but I'm going to go jump in and do that. And everybody told me, no, they're like, don't quit your job. You can't do this. It's too big. And I said, I'm going to do it. And so I had this experience of being like, I can jump into something and it can feel scary and it can feel unknown and it can be very risky. But I felt like I could do this. Like I had that muscle memory of being able to do something big and scary and unknown. And so I think I really leaned on that to do it. And I will say one other aspect of being able to start this journey was that my partner at the time was willing to support us. And we talked through that. And so I could leave, I could leave my job at the time and then really go full into this and see what we can make happen. Okay. So from the start of when you were sitting there saying, okay, there's a need for this. I think I'm going to jump in. How long did it take for it to finally launch? What was that time frame? It was about eight months. And so oh. what we did in those eight months was a lot of research and interviews. And we would sit down with, you know, I think we did like a hundred or somewhere over a hundred interviews with people looking for a therapist. And they started as just questions. And then we got ideas, we'd run ideas by them. And then I would draw things out on paper and be like, what happens if it worked like this? And we'd get feedback from that. And eventually that moved its way up into actual prototypes, like on a computer and finally like a working site. And then we did the same thing also with therapists. So like, all right, well, how do you get clients who are really good fit for your expertise? And did the same kind of thing, like let's do questions and then we'll draw it out. And finally we had something that was getting a lot of really good positive feedback. And then that's when we decided to make it fully work and turn it on. And then we started in Houston, just kind of like a local thing, just to see how it worked. And it quickly started to grow on its own beyond that. Wow. At this point, a couple of years later, we've had over 7,000 therapists be part of our network, and we're helping over 10,000 people a week find a therapist. We get over 10,000 people coming to the site every week, searching yeah. through profiles, taking our matching survey. And so it's I can't even believe that it's been so helpful to so many people at this point. Oh, you know, I asked so many people this because I think it's also easier on the outside to see it because <laughs> sometimes I needed it pointed out to me. But are you able to look back and say, you know, I was going through all of that grief. And, you know, there was this really positive thing that came out of that grief. Are you able to kind of see that, that you went through that maybe for a reason or that, you know, there was this other thing you were meant to do? Yeah. You know, I think in retrospect, I've realized that this was a way for me to make sense of what was like a senseless loss and sudden loss. And it was a way for me to had something that was deeper and had meaning and felt like something good came out of it. It was a different way to frame what had just been a lot of pain. Yeah, I didn't realize that at the time. I've always been interested in being creative and helping people. And that was kind of what I thought was fueling this. And then it took me a while to be like, oh, no, actually, what was fueling this was trying to make sense of my loss and trying to add meaning to mm. something that was so painful. Mm -hmm. And then look at how many people you're, oh, that you're helping in turn, you know? Yeah. Can I tell you one thing that was like, 
Yeah. Uh, it just gives me the chills to think about. But so, so the way our platform works is therapists pay like a very small, it's like $16 a month to be part of the platform. And that's how we work as a business. But we made, as business, we made our first dollar on the five, I think it was a five-year anniversary of my mom's passing. What? It was like to the day. And it was just very random the way that that worked out. But I like gave me oh. the chills. It like adds so much to that story. Oh my gosh, it does. Yeah. Oh, yes, totally. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I think it's probably not that big of a deal on my end. I mean, I'm sure you see it all the time and I should actually send it to you more. I know I've sent you a few things, you know, hiding their information, of course. I don't ever do that. But like when people send me texts or DMs or whatever and say, you know, thank you for telling me about Mental Health Match. I haven't ever found, I mean, I've sent them to you where they're, they're just like, I hadn't found anyone, you know, who I matched. They don't say match, but like who I resonated with or who I sent this person or it was taking me so long or whatever. And I'm always like, gosh, if that's just what I'm hearing, I mean, what are you hearing? You must be hearing it all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's something that in the hardest days, it definitely keeps me going to hear that kind of feedback. And we get it. You know, people leave us a review or they'll send us an email and just say like, oh, I was having the hardest time and I didn't think I would be able to find somebody. And then someone told me about your site and I got there and it was quick and it just felt so reassuring. And like, you know, it's hard to run a business as y'all know. And it's like, yeah. and so on some of those days, I, I'll go back yeah. and read some of those emails and I'll be say, you know, I used to have them printed out like above yeah. the screen. I got too many to print out and yeah. and then we didn't have an office anymore because COVID happened. So I had them at home and then we were talking, we have a, a very small house and so it was uh-huh. like too much to have at home. So, but I have them <laughs> saved and I'll go back to them. And it's very inspiring to know that we're helping people because, you know, sometimes I was so involved at the very beginning where I would actually be talking to every therapist and like talking to people who use the site. And now we just, there's so many that I'm so removed from it now. And it's so nice to hear those personal stories. So thank you for sending me those as well. Oh yeah. I'll start sending them to you more often, you know? So listen, we're probably not the first to introduce you to the topic of CBD or CBD oil. If you're anything like us, it seems like every time you turn around, you're seeing a neon sign for CBD sold here at your local grocery store, in a window as you're driving by, or it flashes across your screen in an online ad. Shannon's sister told us about the benefits she was having from a brand she was using, and then we started paying attention to that brand. Spoiler alert, that brand is Danodan. Full transparency, we get about two to three CBD brands reaching out to us every week. And it wasn't until we started digging into the research that we learned that CBD isn't always CBD. They're just not all the same. Danadan Hemp Works makes organic hemp flower infusions. They're more than just CBD. Danadan's range of hemp products dissolve easily into any liquid and support your routine by helping you manage daily stress, promote healthy sleep, provide caffeine-free energy, and recover from activity-related stiffness and soreness. They also have CBD hemp flower infusion specifically designed for pets, and Betty White uses it every day. She loves it. We put it on our food. And with Danodan, you'll enjoy all the benefits of legal hemp, not just one or two compounds isolated in a lab. Get 20% off right now with the code ADVENTURE at danodan.com. We'll link it for you in the show notes. That's 20% off right now with the code ADVENTURE at danodan.com. Danodan, more than just CBD. So, and this is the part that I love about it is that, you know, people have, like I've talked about a range of needs as to why they're looking for a therapist. And it can be really difficult to find someone with a specific set of specialized skill or, you know, as to what they can handle. And I think that 
for me, that's one of the things I love about it. And I love, again, talking about one of the barriers, and this is what I hear a lot to people that I have referred, the link to, to your site is a lot of the times it's, well, I have this need. Okay. Well, Hey, you can sort it by that. You can search for someone by that. I mean, it's a matching situation. Like you said, the algorithm, but what I love, and we're talking about the financial part is that it asks you is cost a factor, right? It might be a different word, but like it's cost a factor for you. And if you say yes, or do you have insurance or something like that? And if you say, you know, yes, it's a factor. And it asks you about your budget or your range. And some people who I've sent it to are like, I need somebody to talk to, but I've got to find somebody that I can afford. And that will be their leading sort, Mm -hmm. you know? And I completely get it. And what I love that you cannot find with your insurance, you know, list, you cannot find if you don't have insurance and you're looking for Google, you cannot find anywhere else is that if you say, no, I don't have insurance and my budget is, you know, $25. And then let's say you're open to virtual, you know, it might not be anybody in your area, but if you're open to virtual, you can find someone who is willing to work with you most of the time. And that is something that you cannot find anywhere else. And I will just tell you, and I think I've said it before and I'll just, I mean, this is me personally. I'll just tell you my personal story. Again, my copay is astronomical. If I paid out of pocket, it would probably be cheaper than my copay <laughs> still. And I found a therapist when I found out about mental health match, I was still in where I, you know, I had left my therapist because, you know, it was COVID and she didn't do virtual and she got, she was so expensive and we moved. And I was like, what am I going to do? And I knew it had saved my life and I knew I needed it still. And so I got on your site and I found several who were willing to work with my budget. And then I go, okay, well then now let me go and sort with what I need. And then they fell into what I needed too. And so I have my therapist, she works with my budget and we've got this great relationship. And so when I say mental health match definitely saved me, it did because otherwise I live in a very rural area on the coast. There's not anybody here that there's not that specializes in what I need. And I don't know if they would work with my budget. I haven't looked in a while because I'm very happy with my therapist and she's virtual and I love her. We have a great relationship. So my point here is every time I refer it out, I say, Hey, I don't know what you're looking for, but make sure you go through all of the little things, which takes five minutes. You can sort it for a million different things and you can search for Mm -hmm. costs. You can search for where your needs are. So did you find that out of those surveys, those were the tiered things that people were looking for? Yeah, so absolutely. Everything that we ask is something that we realized was really important to determining a potential match with somebody in a therapist. Cost is definitely a really important part. And I think that there is a misbelief, misunderstanding that therapy is just going to be super expensive and you can never afford it. And that's, I think, you know, there's a popular culture view of therapy. And I think that that's why people have this misconception of it. But the reality is that many therapists offer sliding scales. So depending mm-hmm. on your need, they go very, very low. Many therapists also can work with insurances. And so no matter what your budget is, I do believe that you can find somebody who will meet your needs. Yeah. And we did a lot of work early on to make sure that we were getting therapists on at all different kind of budgets and price points. But yeah, I think cost is a really important factor. Other things that came up were like cultural needs. People want a therapist who of a specific gender, of a religion, of a specific race. That's really, really important to make sure that people are feeling safe and that they feel like they're connecting with somebody who understands a part of them. Right. And so we ask about those things as well. There's definitely like kind of the specialties and like what therapists focus on. Some therapists will work on trauma, body image, anxiety, right? And so making sure that you're finding someone who's got the expertise, all of that kind of got baked into the process of mental health match. 
Right. And I want to make sure that I do specify that you can choose in person or virtual. Like mine is virtual, but you can choose in person if that's what you want as well. Oh, Um, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Because I think there are apps that is just that texting stuff, which, but I want to make sure that we clarify that this is, you know, it's therapy that you're choosing a virtual therapy session or it is an in-person therapy session. So. Yep, absolutely. But it's actually talking with somebody. We don't have the text messaging is interesting. I think there's lots of ways to do therapy. It's not clear that that is the most beneficial for people. Right. I personally struggled to see like how you get depth. And part of what is important is like therapy works because of the relationship that you have with your therapist. It's right. about what happens between y'all and the safety that you have and the dialogue that you have and the back and forth to be able to kind of dig deeper. So unlike any other kind of medical care, right? Like if you break a bone, it doesn't matter the relationship you have with your bone doctor, I don't know if they the bone doctor, but like, you know, <laughs> as long as they can fix your bone, you're fine. It's more mechanical. And you're willing to put up with somebody who like, you might not even like them, but they think your insurance are available. They can fix your bone. And like, that's that. That doesn't work so well in therapy. Like in therapy, what makes it work is to have that relationship and to build that relationship. And so I don't know how you do that over text message, but um, I think that that is, you know, for a lot of people, they might not feel like they have the time or the space or kind of the social ability to sit in conversation. So maybe that works really well for them. But I'd encourage folks to really try the the conversational aspect first before they decide yeah. to start the text messaging. I agree. I definitely agree. So when you started Mental Health Match and then up until now, have you noticed any changes in the mental health system for better or for worse? And do you implement the differences within the app? I should say platform because it's online, it's on the web too. Yes, things are changing in the mental health field. The platform has definitely, we adapt to changing needs COVID and the rise of virtual therapy is one major change that happened. And we were very quick to be able to adapt to that. There's some other things that are definitely happening. I think we're definitely seeing a huge cultural change, especially through the pandemic, where more and more people started talking about therapy. People got more accustomed to it. And I think we've got more people who are going to therapy now or trying it. And the pandemic really changed that. And there's definitely a generational divide. So there's one of my favorite memes. It's kind of like my parents talking about therapy. And it's like, shh, did you know they're in therapy? <laughs> and then it's like me talking about therapy. It's like, la, 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 my therapist is coming to scream in front of the rooftops. <laughs> and I definitely see that generational divide a lot, especially like when I talk to folks who are kind of baby boomer generation, they often are more quiet about it. Or like, oh, they'll come up to me on the side and be like, oh, you know, let me talk about therapy. But when I talk to folks who are a little bit younger, they're just, they'll scream it from the rooftops about their therapist. And so there's definitely That's that piece. Great. I think the biggest thing that is not visible to a lot of people, one of the biggest changes in the mental health field over the past five years is that there has been a very big influx of venture capital money. Billions and billions and billions of dollars have come in over the past three or four years. And what's changed is that therapists are primarily and used to be primarily independent. So it was very decentralized. Every therapist kind of had their own thing. And now you have these really, really big therapy platforms coming in and they're trying to get in the middle of therapists and the clients, right? And so what they do is they contract therapists, but they have rules about how the therapist can treat the client, what they can say, what they can't say. They do the marketing and bring in the clients and there's huge, huge platforms that advertise, you know, all over the place. But what that has changed is that it has put a middle person in the, between the therapist and the client, and it has created a lot of limitations for how therapists can practice. And that is harmful to both therapists and to clients. And the clients don't necessarily get the best care under these situations. And so, you know, we're a network of mostly independent therapists who have their own practice. And, you know, once you find a therapist through mental health match, you leave us, like you go on and you just work with that therapist. And we're a firm believer that independent therapists really do provide 
a higher quality of care because it's about that relationship and you're building that relationship with them. And so when therapy gets hard, you have a foundation to work through that together. And some of these bigger platforms where you're assigned a therapist, you don't really know them. When therapy gets hard, people leave that, right? They just bounce. And so that's something that's happened behind the scenes that I don't think a lot of people realize kind of yeah. who therapists are and how they're connecting with clients and like the business side of things and this big influx of, of very large companies trying to get in the middle of it all. It's interesting you bring that up. I know someone who was with one of those bigger therapy companies, I guess you call it, whatever you call them. And she was working with a therapist. She really liked, she'd been with that therapist for about a year and that therapist left that company or organization. And the organization was just reassigning her to another therapist. And she was like, no, 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 no. I need my therapist. And they wouldn't give her the information for the therapist. And I was like, this is like a hair salon, like where they don't want to lose their clientele. They're not giving you this hairstylist information. This is therapy. Like it's a lot different yeah. than getting your roots done. I could not believe that. Yeah. And because it's so much about that relationship. And so, you know, when it, most independent therapists are, they're doing the job because they care. Right. And they really want to provide help these bigger kind of venture capital back companies, they got one thing on the mind and it's money. And so, yeah, they don't care if this person gets the help that they need or not. They just want them to the credit card to keep coming through. And so, you know, that, and that's a really big difference between those companies and individual therapists, right? If an individual therapist was to say like, okay, I'm going to close out my practice or I'm done. They will work to make sure everybody gets to where they need to be, but that doesn't happen at some of these bigger companies. And it's, you know, it is so much about that relationship. It's so important. Yeah. So yeah. You know, just talking about the relationship, one thing we haven't mentioned is what was one big part of Mental Health Match was making profiles. Therapists have to make a big profile that actually talks about who they are as a person. That gives you a feel for their personality, why they do what they do, what they're like to work with. A lot of them have videos so you can get a feel for their conversation yeah. style. And all of that is so important in developing a relationship and getting making therapy kind of work as best as it can for you. It totally is. And you know, a lot of, there are a lot of therapists who don't, and I have a friend who is a child therapist, child psychologist. Anyway, she is really big into not self-disclosing a lot. And I know some people don't want to. And But what I love about mine, and I will not give out her information, but what I love about mine is that her profile had information about what she liked to do and, you know, in her free time. And I was like, oh, okay. She sounds like she's really likable. And I like those things. I think I could relate to her. You know, it talked about some things she was involved in. And I loved that. Again, not something you're going to find when you're doing your spreadsheets and Googling and trying to find your therapist. I love yeah. that part. And they can share as much or as little as they want, but I love that. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's up to them, but it is all about that connection. There are some types of therapy that rely on that kind of the idea that the therapist is a blank slate. You don't know anything about them. And that's one type of therapy, but there's dozens of different types. And that's one thing we help people figure out as well. But so, you know, it doesn't always work for everybody to have that kind of information up, but it's very helpful for most people just to get that feeling about who their therapist is. Okay. So prior to creating Mental Health Match, you worked at the nonprofit messaging and strategy. And I know that you talked about, you picked up a lot of information, you know, learning from consultants and all of that. Oh, absolutely. And I think in a couple of ways. The first is understanding what it's like to be overwhelmed or in a state of crisis. And so, you know, I learned from one of my colleagues who was a psychologist I worked with on messaging, but she used to talk about, you know, we have like this downstairs brain and we have an upstairs brain. The downstairs brain is kind of like that reptilian brain. It is fast acting. It's based in fear and safety and security. And you've got then 
you know, and it's kind of like the fight, fight and freeze part of your brain. And then you have an upstairs brain, which is the more long-term planning, be able to set goals and think about how to work towards them to take mm. actions. And when your downstairs brain is active, you can't access what's in your upstairs brain. And so when you're in a place of fear and of overwhelm, you can't be making plans and be thinking long-term, like your brain just doesn't work that way. And so if we're going to help somebody who's in a moment of crisis and help them start to think about, well, how do I get to the therapist and how, what did that plan look like? You have to comfort them first and you have to quiet that downstairs brain. You have to make them feel safe and encouraged, make them feel like they're in the right place. And so we put a lot of that into work to help people feel that they have come to a right place, that they feel safe, that they're protected and that they are hopeful that things are going to be better so that they can then move into the upstairs part of their brain and start to think about like, well, what therapist do I want? and How do I connect with them? And you learned about this prior. Oh my gosh. So it's like, it was all kind of in the works, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really interesting though. Cause I feel like when I was a younger guy in my twenties or whatever, I always had a lot of anxiety. And when you have anxiety, your mind's working. Yeah. You're not anxious about stuff and you go, what's one of my five-year goals. You just, you're kind of, it's, you're coping with the day, the week, maybe at best. You can't plan and, the grocery list. Yeah. I mean, you can't, right. I know that we talk about this. We both have a lot of anxiety. I think that the, one of the things that we always say is when one of us is having a lot of anxiety and the other one will ask even a question of, well, you know, what do you want for dinner? I can't even figure out what I want for dinner. Like I can't <laughs> figure that out. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. What you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's absolutely how your brain, it's how all of our brains work. Yeah. Nice to break it down that way. It makes it a little more tangible in a sense. You picture the upstairs brain and the downstairs brain. Yeah. It's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's not you. It's just what a human brain does. Right. And that's important. Like there's nothing about you that's different or that you can't figure out this out in a moment of overwhelm. Like that's just how human brains work. We wanted to take a pause for a second to tell you once again about how much we love Sugar Wish. If you're a regular listener, Sugar Wish isn't new to you. You already know how much we adore the fact that we count on Sugar Wish to send gifts to people. Why? Because it's easy. Yes. It's a time saver. Yes. You know the recipient is going to love it because they choose what they want. That's right. And it's not a gift that's going to take up space because it's edible. Yes. What's not to love? You forgot something. What's that? You save money because we have a code to share with our listeners. Oh my gosh, that's right. Use code Betty White. That's all caps, one word, Betty White, to save $7 off your gift to someone. We also have the link in the show notes. Yep. Whether you're gifting someone candy, snacks, tea, coffee, wine, or some dog treats to one lucky pup, that code works to save. Sugarwish always saves the day. And you said that you learned that prior to Mental Health Match. Do you think now being in this world of mental health and this world around therapy, has it upped your knowledge about therapy or upped your knowledge about, you know, psychiatric development and and the way that our brains work and all of that? Yeah, I would say my own process in therapy has actually led me down that path more than mental health match. Mental health match has introduced me to like so many layers of how the business side of therapy works, how therapists work, how all of that functions. And I should be very clear, like I am not a trained therapist. Yeah. So, but through my own process of therapy and also like peeling back the layers, which started with grief, but then understanding myself and anxiety and all of these different things, I've just been exposed to so much learning around how our brains work and how emotions work in our bodies that it's really opened me up and and helped me understand a lot of things. Right. Jerry also found his therapist on Mental Health Match. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she, you guys worked through, worked into was hypnosis, Some hypnotherapy, hypnosis. I did three sessions of that and I kind of liked it. 
and then recorded it and listened back. In fact, I still have those. I've intended lately, I thought this would be good to listen to because it's been a while. And I thought sometimes there was things initially that I would find, oh, I didn't realize that the first time. Yeah, you know, I think it's just it was just a valuable tool. And, and it's I, one of those tools that I don't think that either one of us would have considered being a way of therapy, right? I wouldn't have thought about it. I yeah. Don't think so now. But now I would. Yeah. Now seeing how it helped him through different things with anxiety and all that, I would, you know? Yeah. And there's so many tools like that out there that I think like they're, you know, even just using like animals or the environment in therapy or art or novels, you know, there's so much to it because these all help us unlock some of the things going on in our subconscious that we don't really, we're not, we're not conscious of it. Right. And so they yeah. help bring that into the light. There's all sorts of tools. I think that's really unique and really cool yeah. that you were open to trying that. Right. Yeah. 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 I just thought that was weird. My ideas of therapy were from those old movies when I used to swing that little thing. <laughs> Terry uh-huh. yeah, was the old school one that was like, oh, let's just sweep it under the fuck. And then yeah. you see that spiral thing. Yeah, know, like and then the eyes turn into spirals and you're getting very sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. And I can remember one time in high school, we had a psychology class. I had a psychology class and they brought in a hypnotist. And that now I can look back at this and see how I had an anxious mind because I was sitting there. I was, I was like stubborn. I'm like, she's not getting me. She's not getting me. And I started watching people getting hypnotized. And I was, if I felt myself getting a little funny, I'd, I'd be like, oh. <laughs> like I'm scared. And yeah. then somewhat many years later, so doing that was kind of cool. I was like, okay, I, I was at ease with it this time. It yeah. almost reminds would, me of a sort of meditation in a way. Yeah, it, yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would imagine doing that in your high school classroom is not a place where you felt safe and vulnerable or that you could <laughs> right. be safe right. to be vulnerable, right? Right. So, yeah. Pretty different. So yeah. Different. Yeah. I'm going to get hypnotized and somebody's going to put a sign on my back. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that. Right. Yeah. Again, before Mental Health Match, did you always have sort of a passion for helping people? Yeah, I always have. I've always been very strongly motivated by feelings of compassion and altruism and justice. I have this memory of being like a four-year-old and I would sit outside in Houston under a big oak tree and I would like peel and crack open the acorns because I thought I was helping the squirrels. Like I was like making them a little plate of food. Like it's just so funny to me. But yeah, I think I've always been strongly motivated by that and just really wanting to help and do something positive in the world. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Gosh, I get about those the luckiest squirrels in Houston over there. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, what plans do you have for Mental Health Match as it continues to grow and, you know, help you connect with the right therapist and helping other people connect with the therapists on the platform that are the right ones for them? And, you know, I know we talked about as mental health changes all the time. So I would imagine you follow that, make sure that you adapt. But are there things you know, on the forefront that you have plans for right now? Yeah, I think a few things, you know, the first is we're ready to do some kind of changes in making the user experience even that much better. We have more information now about, you know, who people, what kind of therapists people look for and why they contact certain therapists. So we want to kind of streamline some things and make it flow a little bit better and easier. We also are doing, we want to do more marketing, right? We want to get our name out there more. And specifically, we really want to help people understand the benefits of finding an independent therapist in their own community, rather than giving a credit card to some big company that's just going to assign you a therapist and what those differences really are and the types of relationships you build with your therapist and the treatment that you get. As we were talking about, you know, I think the changes over the past few years with these other big companies coming in and trying to get in the middle of things, we really want people to understand what those differences are and why independent therapists in your own community can be more beneficial for you. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, that's some education and some marketing that we're just kicking off. 
And then finally, you know, I think part of it is we want to give therapists more ownership, more voice in services like ours. So thinking about are there ways that we do profit sharing or in a co-op type of model that gives therapists more voice in the services that they use, especially as we're watching kind of this backlash against some of these big companies coming in and changing the field of therapy. Are there ways that we can actually lift up therapists and help them be a part of a company like ours? And that's something that we're exploring at the moment. Right. I love that you pointed out about the independent therapist because I had no idea that that was something that we should sort of advocate for, except for then it brought up that thought in my head for that friend that had the experience. What can we do, Jerry and Shannon, but also the public to help mental health? You know, I think mental health is one of those things that people often turn to their loved ones or to the people that they trust in their own community to talk about. And so I think just talk about it, right? Like if you're in therapy and you are comfortable with it, talk about what you've learned in therapy. Just the next time you're having dinner with friends or or be open, you know, I think a lot of people hide it. They say, I've got an appointment at two and they duck out rather than saying like, I've got a therapy appointment at two. And I think giving voice and naming it and help it be visible to people, it not only changes the culture, but then it signals to people that you are somebody that you can go to in a time of need. And so many people need to have that signal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's well put. Yeah. Yeah. And the more it's spoken, the more you erase the taboo quality of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'll say this really quickly. It made me think about someone else that we had on the podcast, Lindsay Ferris. She has actually Terry's wearing one of her t-shirts right now. Our listeners can't see it, but in mindful state, she does. I I don't know if you know Ferris built, but she's in Seattle and her whole line of like t-shirts and everything is about mental health advocacy and she really wants to destigmatize and start the conversation more. So I have one that is just this pretty design. It's like a swirl and it's for OCD. And I told her, you won't believe how many times people compliment my shirt. And I say, oh, well, it's about OCD. So I'm OCD. And, <laughs> and then we have a whole conversation about it. And so we were talking when she was on the show about talking about it more. And I asked her, what did she think that we could do? I always ask people mental health, what can we do? Because I think we can all do so much more. And she said, the one thing that she thought was that people are so, and we did it, we did it today. People are so quick to talk very openly and quickly about anxiety. They will say, oh, I've got so much anxiety, but they don't talk openly about depression. And Mm. she's like, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with when you're depressed or you've gone through depression, that's who you are. Like you don't talk about it. It's more internal. And I've been more mindful and I did repeat grief a lot today, but I was depressed. I was clinically depressed. And I don't say that enough. And so I think about that. I'm like, that's something I need to say more. I need to talk about, you know, I not only experienced anxiety, I was depressed and not in a funny, I'm depressed way. I was going through a state of depression and people don't talk about that. And that is something that is still more stigmatized than anxiety is still. Mm. Yeah, And I think people don't understand what it really means to be depressed, right? right. And what that feels like. And I laugh, I have a friend who struggled with depression and her dad just says, well, why don't you just be happy? Just wake up and be happy. That's not how this works, right? And how overwhelming it can be. And when you're depressed, like even just getting out of bed and making dinner or, you know, taking a shower, like those things feel very overwhelming. And so, yeah, yeah, I think the more people that can talk about their experiences with all types of mental health experiences, that's really important. Yeah. The funny thing too, is they, they're so interrelated anxiety and depression there's like a yin and yang thing working there mm-hmm. back and forth. but for some reason yeah the one has anxiety so almost like this buzzword nowadays like yeah I'm, i don't get, have the anxiety you know but, but, but yeah depression is definitely still yeah more taboo right 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 and you know the way people toss it around is like oh i'm so anxious today i'm like waiting for this letter you know that's true but like 
people struggle with that a lot of anxiety on a regular basis. And yes. so we don't want to take away from that experience as well by just minimizing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, you know, people need to understand, I think, what the whole spectrum can look like and feel like because they can be there too one day. And it's helpful that people know that. We're going to get to the fun part, our fast five questions. And Jerry <laughs> is here for it. We're yeah. so excited. <laughs> so I've been, I'm nervous about this one. Okay. <laughs> I want to do the first one. Oh, yeah, I know you do. Okay. Yeah. Number one, put a bird on it or pickle that? Pickle that. <laughs> I got so many pickles going. Yeah, I love a pickle. <laughs> I'm just so glad you knew what I was talking about. At the beginning, I just knew when you started just knowing about Portlandia, I was like, he's totally going to know number one. He's going to yeah. know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm a gardener. And so I always grow like more food than I can, I can actually eat. So oh. absolutely pickle that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving right along, vacation or staycation? Oh, vacation. Okay. Absolutely. I love, especially after the past few years, get out there, explore something new, challenge yeah. yourself in a new way. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Okay, number three, wine or coffee? Wine. I am actually not a caffeine drinker. And okay. on days that I need a boost, I will have like a fourth of a cup of decaf and I'll be wired. So give me the wine, please. <laughs> I, do, I do half calf and I can only have that one cup in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, you've met your kindred spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. Okay, wine it is. Wine it is. I have a friend who's a winemaker and I have a friend who's a coffee roaster and I wish I could enjoy the coffee as much as, as I could. But yeah, my husband and I gave up caffeine like three or four years ago wow. and it, I was very skeptical and all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm, I have less anxiety. I'm sleeping better. I feel better. And wow. I just stuck with it. Yeah. That's oh, good. Okay. Good, good to hear. Yeah. Good to hear. Yeah. Okay, number four. Zombie or vampire? <laughs> Ooh, I love a vampire. Story. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I love a vampire story. And I feel like I know more about how to handle a vampire. I got plenty of garlic and all of that. that I, oh. uh, what do you do with a zombie? <laughs> well, there's a whole strategy behind it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Number five ketchup or mustard? Mustard. Ah, yeah. Uh -huh. Mustard, yeah. I've always been a mustard fan. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. I like the yeah. tang more than the sweet. Uh-huh. I do too. I like a mixture of both on certain things. Like with French fries, I like to mix them both mm -hmm. and have it. But I do like mustard. I love it. <laughs> well, I like all kinds of mustards. Like Shan just likes the yellow kind. Yeah. And she'll call all my mustards weird mustard. Like I like Dijon and I like... <laughs> What do you call the like spicy brown mustard? And yeah, uh -huh. uh, give me a spicy. I love a spicy mustard. Uh -huh. Ugh, I don't. I don't like. I just want my plain <laughs> yellow and leave it at that. Yeah, don't mess around with between, the mustard. Between my mustards and my pickles, people probably think my kitchen smells real funky. <laughs> <laughs> and you talked about garlic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and this is the question we ask everyone: Is what does a life well lived mean to you? Uh, that's such a great question. I think for me, it's about. A life well lived is about knowing your values and what you really care about at like that deepest level and being aligned towards those. And it's different for everybody, but that clarity and that sense of purpose and that sense of self that you know what you stand for and that you live your life that way. Oh, wonderful answer. That is a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. I'll tell you, I think the barrier there is maybe some people should go to therapy to find it or what those values are. I think a lot of oh, people absolutely. might not know what they are and what they would stand for, you know, but a life well lived would be to know and to be able to stand for them. 
It's very true. And I think especially owning a business, like being very clear about what my values are, why I do what I do is really helpful and helps me make those decisions on the day to day that make me feel like I'm living a life that's well lived. I think it's more that's more important these days than anything because we're bombarded with so many things and ideas all the time. I think sometimes you lose focus of your what you really care about. Yeah. Value. Yeah. 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 This was not a planned question, but I'm curious. You were talking about the business. How are your boundaries? Do you have good boundaries set or do you struggle with that? I struggled with it for a very long time. And especially working from home during the pandemic, it's just like in a small house, like work is always there. So, however, recently, after watching my journey, my husband quit his job and is starting a startup in the scientific publishing realm. Uh And so the two of us actually, we have these complementary skills. And so we started working together on both of our startups. And so we had to really put some boundaries in place because now it's all encompassing. So we now have a four day work week and we put that's in take Fridays off. And we've also been doing something where we'll work for six weeks and then we'll take a week retreat to step back think about the strategy, figure out what's working, what's not, reorient both of the companies, and then also take a little bit of time to work on our relationship now that we're also working together. And that has allowed us to put some really good boundaries around work for us. Okay, now you need to go into the consultant business and we need to hire you as a consultant. (laughs) (laughs) Boundaries is my number one struggle, my number one struggle with working from home, with setting my time. I feel like I'm really, really organized, but it's holding firm to the boundaries with people, with everything and I'm constantly working on it. So I was curious as you were talking about that, what you were like with them. So, wow. Yeah. My therapist has a saying that she likes to remind me of, which is like, are you letting your passion get in the way of your compassion, especially your self-compassion? And like, where do you filter between, oh, I'm so passionate about this. I really want to do it. I want to invest all my time in it versus that self-compassion of how's my body feeling today? Am I tired? Do I need a break? Am I really here? I've always come back to that question whenever I'm thinking about my boundaries. Ryan, I feel like we could go on for hours, but you know, we'll have to do another part two from Portland. I'm looking forward to it. I'll have some pickles for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, please tell our guests where they can find you or or mental health match if they want to get signed up for that or, you know, go through the process to help get matched up with their therapist. Yep. Mentalhealthmatch.com. It's completely free. It's completely anonymous. You don't have to create an account or sign up or do anything like that. So that's mentalhealthmatch.com. And then you can find me through that. You just click on the little contact us button and send us a message and I will get it. I'm so thankful for you and that you created it and thankful for Mental Health Match. Well, thank you very much. And I should also add, we are on all the social media platforms. Instagram is our primary platform or Mental Health Match there, but we're also on Facebook and Twitter and TikTok. And it's all Mental Health Match. You can find us there. Mental Health Match. Yep. Okay, great. We'll link all of those in the show notes as well. Wonderful. The Twitter one, I think it's mental health match without vowels. (laughs) I should update that. I will find that out for you. Okay. And we'll we'll link it in the show notes the way that it is. I was say, it has been such a pleasure to get to join you and to have these conversations with you. I think the messages and what you are sharing with people is so helpful and keep doing what you're doing. I know it makes a difference. Oh, Ryan, no, keep doing what you're doing. And thank you so much again. We were so excited for this conversation and I wish I could have shouted it through the email. We were talking back and forth about setting this up, but I was elated to have this conversation. I was so excited and I'm so glad that it finally happened. Well, feelings mutual. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to the next time we get to talk and hopefully seeing you out in Portland sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Wow. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed talking to Ryan. Me too. And, you know, full transparency, you all may have noticed that a lot of the conversation was just me and Ryan. And Jerry came back from his adventure and Mm -hmm. then was able to join us in the latter part. And we were so glad because 
Jerry and I have worked with Ryan with Mental Health Match and dealt a lot with him, you know, virtually, but we have never had an e-meeting before. And it was just great. No, and I felt like I hadn't missed the thing. I walked in and I immediately was absorbed into the conversation and just really enjoyed the company that day. Yeah. I just want to also say, and I did not say this at the beginning of the episode, I want to make sure it is clear. And every time we talk about Mental Health Match as a resource, this episode was not sponsored. It was a conversation we really wanted to have Ryan on as you heard his story of how Mental Health Match came to be and the fact that Jerry and I personally have found our therapist with Mental Health Match. And we have a lot of friends and some family that have also found their therapist the same route. Oh, yeah. This is a topic that was very important to us. As you may or may not know, with mental health and therapy, we just absolutely adored Ryan. Oh, we did. We did. Yeah. We can't wait to go to Portland to hang out with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He and his husband moved to Portland originally from Houston. And we just, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait to go to Portland and spend time with them. Yeah. So, well, if this episode resonated with you, or if you know of someone who would benefit from Mental Health Match, You know what? Everyone can. So you should just be sending it to everyone. (laughs) Go ahead and send this episode to them. We would love it if you would share the link, screenshot it, put it out there. Go follow Mental Health Match. Sharing is caring, friends. It really is. As always, you can find us at ArnerAdventures.com on Instagram at ArnerAdventures, also linked in the show notes. So until next time, enjoy the journey that you're on. We're wishing you lots of adventures. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>